what's the most important thing I could be doing with my time? What is the most important thing? In genetics research, you fail all of the time. Failure is sort of like the normal situation. Success is very rare. And the only way you can make it through all that failure is to genuinely believe that what you're doing is the most important thing that you could be doing. Welcome back to the Exploding Podcast. My name is Teja and I couldn't resist sharing this with you. We have got over thousands of listeners from 26 plus countries with various age groups in the world. Thank you so much for all your love and support that you have given to the podcast. And thank you so much for all your DMs and stories. It really means the world to me. If this conversations with potential thoughts have had any impact on you and if this podcast helped you to think and inspire in another dimension then consider subscribing and joining us in Instagram at exploit.chat to keep you post. Today's guest is a remarkable person for me who literally helped me a lot in the academics and in the industry at my work. And he's one of the best statistics teachers that I ever had. And he's insanely famous and lovable to all my statistics friends that I have. And he's the man, mind and the heart, and the voice behind StatQuest. Bam! As you already know, he's none other than Josh Stammer. Josh is a passionate teacher who was a genetic researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. These days, Josh focuses on mathematic education and is literally revamping the way statistics have been taught in academics. His videos on statistics and machine learning have over millions of views and his content focuses on breaking down the complex topics into intuitive nuggets and making them reach straight into your brain and he's also an instructor in Coursera. On top of all of that, he's a singer, songwriter, music graduate and a recording artist holding seven music albums and I personally love and enjoy all his videos with such a creative intro and I can't wait anymore to exploit with Josh Stammer. Bam. I'm super excited to have you on the show, Josh. Thank you so much for joining us. It's beyond your triple bam. <laughs> Hello. Thank you, Josh. I still remember the moment I was actually breaking my head to understand the maximum likelihood estimation and also the actual difference between probability and likelihood. And more importantly, interpreting the p-value and your work really helped me and it was a final savior for me and it literally helped me a lot. And thank you so much for all your content, Josh. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. I'm glad the videos helped. Yeah. And also while I'm communicating with you through emails, I was actually babbling with your name. Like, is that Josh Stammer or Joshua Stammer? Like, how do people call you often? Uh, um, people call me Josh Starmer. Star is like as a star in the sky and myrrh hmm. as in, I guess, the spice. Starmer. Cool. So I think people usually get confused, just often like me, like whether to go with Josh or Joshua with you. It goes either way. Uh, some people call me Josh. Some people call me Joshua. Um I guess Joshua is technically my full name, but uh, most people call me Josh. Great. I'll go with Josh then. That's cool. <laughs> so how about a stat quest in the same way? Like where did that came from? The name, like it's stat and the quest. How, how, how did you name that? Oh, um, so the stat quest name came from a, a coworker of mine uh, when I used to work at UNC. Uh, I just asked all my friends at work what I should call my channel. And uh, one of them said stat quest and we took a vote and that's what it was. <laughs> that's so impressive. Usually we take a lot of time and a lot of thoughts and views from others to name something, right? Uh, but I think it went uh, so easy in your case. <laughs> yeah. 
It took all of about five minutes. <laughs> That's cool.、Uh, on the other side of you, I see a lot of your work in music, composing various styles, and even you make a very cool intro on every video, right?、Mm-hmm. So, how do you become a musician in the first place? And、uh, take me through your journey from a music composer to a statistics teacher.、Um, I mean, I've always loved music. I grew up playing music. I grew up playing the cello when I was a kid,、um, and I really, you know, when I, I was ready to go to School, I really wanted to become a professional cello player in a classical music orchestra.、Uh, that was my dream. It takes a lot of practice to become a really good cello player, and、um, the tendons in my hands uh, uh, did not cooperate with my desire to practice for six hours a day.、Hmm. And so, after a year of, of really practicing hard every day, my, my hands were just falling apart, and it just wasn't an option. Hmm. Um, so, I had to do a career change.、Um, so, I found a school that would allow me to study computer science and music because I still wanted to be a part of music、um, and I wanted music to be a part of me. Cool.、Uh, so, I found a school that allowed me to study both of those things at the same time. And so, I got a degree in computer science and I also got a degree in music composition. That's great. Yeah.、Um, yeah. So, during.、Uh, during Uh, my time in school, every summer I would try to get a job and I would apply for jobs in computing and I would apply for jobs in music. And every year I got many offers in computing and I never got any offers in music. So、uh, <laughs> I, I, found, uh, I found that computing paid better than music. <laughs> yeah. So,、uh, so that was sort of the decision ultimately.、Um, however, it's, it's actually been more profound than that in that. Although I love music and I've, I've composed a lot of music and I've written a lot of music and performed a lot of music,、hmm. um, it's a pretty,、uh, it's a surprisingly non creative field.、Um, you think as a musician, you, you're just creative by,、um, you know, by the nature of being a musician, but it's actually a lot more restrictive than that, in that if you're a classical musician, you Basically, play the music that is written on the page, and you're actually expected to play it in a certain way. You're allowed to have a little bit of personal expression,、hmm. uh, but not very much. It's all, it's everything's very regimented, and, and pop music is also very, very regimented. And I feel like over the years, what I've discovered is that making stat quests is one of the few places where I can do things exactly the way I want without any. Worry about what the conventions are or what people are expecting. And I can do it exactly the way I want without any, any rules. And, and in a way, StatQuest has become much more expressive and much more creative than music ever would have been for me. So it's been a pretty strange road for me.、Hmm. What do you say is actually true? I'm not sure about how music works, but when we have certain constraints and restrictions over something, then we are literally bounding ourselves with them and unintentionally we limit the exploring mindset, right? Yes. But your creativity is so transparent with your videos and the way you approach the concepts to others. And is music your ever wanted wish or is that an eternal thing from your family?、Um, it's definitely a passion. There's, there aren't any other musicians in my family. and...、Um, I'm the only one who does YouTube, that's for sure.、Um, no, I'm, just, I'm just always very passionate about everything I do. It's, it, if I'm not passionate about something, it's hard for me to, to get any motivation to do it to begin with. But I, I have a strong belief that,、uh, 
my videos are are making a big difference in the world and I'm incredibly passionate about them and I'm passionate about music even though uh, it's not something I do as a career. Great. I genuinely love your intros and all my friends do. So have you ever thought of making math and machine learning or music intersection where your songs and music speak statistics to others? I mean, I do have little silly songs at the beginning of each video, which are silly and improvised and kind of spur of the moment. It's not nothing, nothing planned out. I'm, I'll be honest. Um, I mean, I've thought about it. It's it has crossed my mind that maybe I should do a statistics rock opera or something like that. And maybe uh, maybe in the future I will do something like that. I, I never know uh, what's going to happen next. Yeah, I totally get that. And getting back to that little Josh in the school with crazy friends, how was your relationship with your mates at that time? Uh, in, uh, I mean, I had good friends. I had, uh, um, I had an excellent roommate who was a top, top-notch top mathematician, and I learned a ton from him. Hmm. Uh, he, was a, he was a huge inspiration for me. To I just got lucky uh, that they paired us together. It was random. I didn't know him before uh, I started college, and I, uh, I just got very lucky that we, they paired us together. And he ended up being the captain of the swim team, so I ended up uh, uh, becoming friends with a lot of people on the swim team. And during the swim season, I was the guy that ran all the clocks, so... They've got special <laughs> mats that they put in the swimming pool that they can touch and that mm. turns on and turns off the clock. And I was the guy that kind of ran all the clocks. And so that was a fun thing for me to do. Okay. If I were your friend at the time, would it be predictable for me to say like, Josh is going to be a great musician or Josh is going to be a great teacher? Uh, I think people would have said I was going to be a, a, I don't know, great musician, but I think they would have thought I'd become a musician more than a teacher. I, I wasn't always very good at explaining things. Hmm. In fact, uh, I remember uh, early on, I had some friends that just told me I was terrible at it. And they told me, the nice thing is, that, is they told me exactly why I was terrible at it. They, they, said, they said, Josh, the reason why you're so bad at explaining things is you often start in the middle. As a, and, and you don't start at the very beginning. You start in the middle. And, and it's like, it's like you've been talking to yourself about how to explain something and you've been going along and then you just start talking to us in the mid sentence. Mm. And, uh, and that was a, that was a good lesson for me to learn. That was, uh, uh, it's definitely helped me, uh, be able to explain things better now that I'm an adult. Uh, so it was very good, helpful advice, but Back then, I wasn't very good at explaining things. Great. It's good to see that you took your feedback to build and recreate your approach of explaining or reaching others' brain in an easy way. Yeah. I think it's a point to be noted in our notes that most of us don't do this. When we get uh, feedback, we try to ignore it or we try not to do that, not realizing that we could learn from that, right? And what happened when you finished your school? Where did you go to college and what after that? Uh, after, after I went to college, I went. Uh, I got a job at a hospital doing database work. And I worked there for a couple of years before going to graduate school. Uh, and in graduate school, I got a degree in uh, something called bioinformatics, which is basically statistics and computing apply, applied to uh, biological data. Hmm. Um, and then after that, I, I went to UNC uh, and I held that job for 13 years at UNC uh, before becoming 
a full-time YouTuber uh, just a few months ago. Cool. In the whole journey, what actually made people surprised when they know something about you or what actually makes people surprised when they know something about you? Oh, what would what would surprise people if they if they knew about me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what would surprise people. Um, hmm. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I have two cats. Uh, that might be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not surprised by this, but I have a lot of questions for you ahead. And I'll surely let you know what actually surprised me, especially. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about this. Um, what was the moment that actually made you to start working on video making? And what was your first video? And what's the deep purpose behind that? Huh. What was the very first video? Uh, I believe the first video I did was on R Squared. Hmm. Um, so when, when, when I was at UNC and I was, a uh, and I was working at UNC, I worked in a large lab, uh, full of, uh, what they call bench scientists. These are people that do the experiments and they collect a lot of data, uh, but they're not necessarily, uh, mathematics or computational people. And so that was my job. My job was to help them out with the mathematics and the computation and the statistics. Hmm. And so I used to do these uh, little seminars maybe once every couple of months uh, where I would teach basic statistics because I, I didn't want the people I worked with to think what I was doing was magic. <laughs> uh, I wanted them to understand it because it's because it is I, I believe it's very understandable. I know a lot of statistics classes are poorly taught and and a lot of people come out of statistics classes not really knowing much about statistics. But I firmly believe it's it's teachable and easy to understand if it's taught correctly. And so I my I think that when I did an early little seminar for the people in the lab on R squared, and a, a friend of mine told me I should put it on YouTube, and so I did. And uh, and I'll be honest, not many people watched it uh, for the first maybe couple of years. Hmm. Uh, and and that was fine with me because at the time I, I viewed the. I viewed YouTube as, a, as sort of a library that I was building, not necessarily for the whole world, but for the, my coworkers. Yeah. And so if my coworkers had forgotten what an R squared was or they were a new, they just joined the lab and they wanted to learn what R squared was. Cool. I, I imagined I'd have like, an, uh, like, a, like a shelf of, of books on these things or imagine, so it was just like an index of videos and they could just watch it. It'd be a short five minute video and they'd come away and go, okay, now I know what R squared is. Hmm. So that was the original idea and it, Ultimately, um, the video has caught on uh, several years in, and 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 I. It's interesting if you look at the early videos; they're all geared towards people doing mouse genetics. All the examples are in terms of mice and in terms of mouse genetics, and that's because those are the people I was making the videos for. Those were my coworkers, and I was really just hoping it, to have a reference for them. Uh, however, uh, since a lot of people now watch my videos from all kinds of backgrounds, I try to make them a little more general and a little more interesting for a general audience. Yeah. And as a researcher into genetics with a good experience, I hope you got a good paid at the end of the month. And comparing that thing with YouTubing is so different. Yes. How was your first month of moving off from your work? It was incredibly scary. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, I, yeah, it was just very scary. Uh, I was suddenly making uh, very little money. Uh, I get some money from YouTube itself for advertisement hmm. revenue share, uh, but it's not very much. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't pay my bills, uh, enough. Uh, and so the first month I kind of freaked out, uh, and I took on a lot of consulting work, 
and I took on so much consulting work that I was actually not able to work on my StatQuest videos at all, which defeated the whole purpose of leaving my Mm. um, well-paying job at the university. The whole purpose of leaving that job was so that I could work on StatQuest, and then I left the job, and it it turned out I wasn't making enough money to actually work on StatQuest, so I was doing consulting. So it was very scary uh, for the first couple of months, and I've since... Uh, figured out a ma- ways to make it work, and that now I do uh, webinars on how to how to do a lot of the machine learning in practice, and I also sell study guides, and so I ended up diversifying a little bit from my just making videos. Now I now I make study guides, and now I make uh, webinars that people can attend, and and that those three things combined kind of gives me just enough money that I can pay all my pay for my rent and pay for my groceries and. Mm. all those things that you have to pay for. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's always hard in the beginning and messy in the middle. And I wish it will and it should beautiful in the end. Yeah, it's a big change. And I know the StatsQuest is really revamping the way that statistics have been taught in academics and any other place. And let me ask you one thing. What was that one situation in your life that made you to jump off the cliff as a researcher to a full-time YouTuber? So my boss at UNC, who I'm still great friends with, so uh, so me leaving didn't really change that situation. But he, he would always tell me that you need to believe what you're doing is the most important thing in the world. And I think what he was telling me, I mean, I, from his perspective, what he was saying is whatever you're working, because in genetics research, you fail all of the time. Mm. Uh, failure is sort of like the normal situation. Success is very rare. And the only way you can make it through all that failure is to genuinely believe that what you're doing is the most important thing that you could be doing. Um, And so he was telling me as a way to encourage me, as a way to kind of get through the the low points and the failures uh, that, you know, that form everyday experience as a genetic researcher. However, the way I interpreted it was, uh, you know, me, Josh Starmer, uh, there are a lot of things I could be doing with my time. What's the most important thing I could be doing with my time? What is the most important thing? Mm. Um, for example, I could be sitting on the beach right now. I could be just, you know, sitting on a beach every day and just doing enough, barely enough to survive. I, that's one option of things I could be doing with my time. Another option would be I could, I could get on a boat and just sail around. Um, that's another option. But is that the most important thing I could be doing with my time? Hmm. And I looked at my job and sort of what I was accomplishing in my job. And I thought, well, this is, this is important what I'm doing in my job. But, but I believe that what I'm doing on YouTube is actually more important because I feel like I'm reaching more people. I'm I'm helping more people and I'm having a greater impact on more people's lives in a positive way. And when I compared those two things, I, I it dawned on me that the most important way for me to spend my time, the most important thing for me to do was to spend as much time as I could doing YouTube and my StatQuest videos as possible because those were making the biggest difference in the world. And once I, once I made that decision... Um, you know, I left my job two weeks later Hmm. and without really fully understanding the financial implications of doing that. And so it was a little scary at first, but it's, I've since been able to make it work. Anyhow, you finally made it. (laughs) Uh 
And as you just mentioned, it's scary in the beginning and you're totally into self-employment, right? Uh, have you ever thought of having a fallback plan or a plan B ahead? Well, um, I mean, should StatQuest completely fall apart and become something I no longer feel like is an important thing in my life, I mean, I'm a, I'm a great statistician. I've got great computational skills. Uh, there's a pretty huge job market for people like me right now. So I'm not, I don't want to sound cocky, but I'm fairly confident I could get a I could get a job in industry or at another academic institution without too much difficulty. Hmm. Yeah. So that's, that is plan B. I, I hope, I hope not to need plan B and, and so far I don't seem to need it, but <laughs> yeah, but if, if push came to shove and I needed to get another job, I believe I could get one uh, without too much trouble. Absolutely. I think it would be really easy for you as you move ahead with the same content. And what was the thing that behind your videos that made most data science aspirants to be with you? Well, I think, uh, I think one of the, Secrets to my success is um, statistics and mathematics and uh, machine learning and all those topics are actually very difficult for me. Um, I, I don't just look at something and go, oh, I understand it. I, I actually have to break it down. The way I teach, the way I make these videos is the way I learn it myself. I have to break it down into small pieces in order to kind of understand anything. Um, it's all very difficult for me. Um, and so what I, my videos are basically me sharing my learning process with the world and it resonates with a lot of people. I'm a visual person. I have to see things to understand them. So I draw pictures and, and so when I have videos, I have everything as pictures. Uh, and, and I know a lot of other people are visual learners. And so I, I think they, they, um, they appreciate that's that's the way I do it as well. But it's it's really just me showing how I can teach myself something. Hmm. Um, I I know there's lots of gaps in my knowledge, and I look at something and I go, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. And and so I'll I'll make a StatQuest video in order to teach myself. And once I understand it myself, I can then you know I can clean up a little bit of the of the of the you know, rough calculations I did at the start and make it a little more polished. But, but the StatQuest videos themselves are sort of my own adventure, my own quest to understand what these topics are. I, I don't know them typically in advance, although a lot of people think I do. A lot, a lot of people assume that because uh, that I already know everything in advance and I really actually don't know very much. I just know what I've covered uh, in the videos. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the thing would make people so surprised because yeah. I'm literally surprised by your words now. <laughs> yeah, that's the surprising thing I suspect is is that I actually don't know very much. I don't know all of statistics. I don't know all of machine learning. Mm. Uh, I just know what I've covered in the videos. And I guess I know a few other things, but not very, not as much as people expect. Yeah, and so what do you get when you get an idea into your mind explaining something and make a quest on it? And imagine you don't have uh, much idea about it, mm -hmm. just like another uh, beginner like me. So how do you tackle to learn, apply, and share? Mm -hmm. uh, what sort of resources that you look for? Yeah, so uh, so I I read everything that I can find on a topic, every single thing. And to be honest, um, usually at this stage, nothing makes sense to me. Uh, it's a lot of equations. Uh, sort of descriptions that don't make any sense or use cases that I don't understand. And, but I just keep reading. And then, um, and when I'm done reading everything I can find, I just start over and I start reading the exact same stuff over again the second time. And then usually the second time, maybe one or two things will make sense. 
uh, and that and enough enough that I can start drawing a picture. And once I can start drawing a picture, I start having specific questions of how do I get from here to here? What's that process? And so then I can start focusing on certain aspects of the problem, and I'll I'll read everything I can about that. And again. Uh, it may not make any sense the first time, but I'll reread it and maybe one or two things make sense and then I'll reread it again and I'll reread. I just keep rereading and rereading and 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 fleshing out the picture that I'm drawing uh, until I feel like I've got a picture that I can make sense of. And once I have that picture that I can make sense of, I can I spread it out over a bunch of different slides one step at a time. Um, but that's that's how I that's my process is is read and reread and and as soon as I can, I start trying to draw a picture of whatever the process is. Cool. And what sort of reviews did you use to get when you go through the comment section of your videos? And what percentage of the comments that you read in a rough count? Generally, uh, people really love my videos. I get a lot of positive feedback. It's really nice. I get a lot of thumbs up. Um, I get, you know, I'd say, I'd say probably 99% of the people that watch my videos really enjoy them and get a lot out of them. There's about 1% that don't like my silly songs or they don't like my use of the word bam or um, little silly noises that I make during the videos. They don't like the silliness and that's fine with me. That's, that's 1%. That's okay. If I can, if I can appeal to 99% of the people that watch it, that's, I feel like that's very, uh, that's a good margin. Wow. Yeah. That's really great. Cause we live in a world that no one could stop that one person negativity coming on us. Right. And we keep usually thinking about that all the time, not realizing that we got over 99% positive and one percent other. And I think this is really a good takeaway for others as well. Deep down, we could fix ourselves by pushing ahead with the positivity we get. Right. And I, and I strongly believe that the career in YouTubing is really challenging. Right. And it requires a lot of self-discipline. Yes. And how do you keep and how do you start your day to be so productive? <laughs> I mean, I just work all day, every day. I mean, I, I start I start working at around uh, six thirty in the morning, and I usually work until about ten at night. Every day, no breaks. Um, I'm just working all the time. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't work fast enough. I've got too I've got too many things I want to get done. I'm 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 really excited about everything I'm working on, and I cool. Uh, I just, I just, I'm very, unfortunately, I'm just slow at what I do though. The, the method I use is a pretty slow method. I feel like it's effective. It's an effective method. So it's worth the time, Yeah. but I'm not able to create new videos nearly as quickly as I would like to. Uh, and so I just do the best I can. I just work all the time. I, I'm, I'm pretty much relentless in terms of, of how much I work. Hmm. And when you start researching the latest things and figure out the fascinating things that you're going to work on and create content on it, like how do you overcome the blank page syndrome in the beginning? I mean, like I said, I, I start with I start by trying to draw a picture of it. And once I can draw a picture of it, um, then I can break it up into smaller pieces that I can introduce one piece at a time. And at that point, once I have a solid picture, it's just a function of of writing a script that shows how that picture is drawn one piece at a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it takes a long time to learn how to draw that picture to begin with. Like I said, I've got to read everything I can find. And just drawing the picture um, is it can be really difficult. I, it's not like I can just copy what somebody else did. Oftentimes, the pictures I draw have never never been drawn before, and no one's ever done it before. No one's ever shown it that way. Hmm. And so I have to... 
sometimes I'll, I mean, it's not always the first time I draw a picture that works. I'll, I'll draw the picture 20, 30 times, different ways, trying to find one that's the simplest and easiest to understand and easiest to follow. So I, 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 I do a, I do a lot of, um, trial and error to try to find one that I think is the, the best way to communicate something. Cool. And how do you create them? Like, do you use any specific software for that? Uh, so I use Keynote, which is basically PowerPoint. And I, you know, put together slides and I write a script and then I, I record the script uh, using something called Final Cut Pro. It has a voice overdub option. And so I use that. Cool. And I'm actually curious to know, how do you spend your 10 minutes after you publish a video? Because I do check the response for a while and I, and I just figure out, like, how is that going ahead? The 10 minutes after that I post the video. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, uh, I'm probably in, in bed. I schedule them to be posted at midnight. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I actually don't do anything for the first six hours. I mean, I wake up in the morning at 6.30 or 6 a.m. I wake up at 6 a.m. And hmm. by 6.30, I'm, I'm on YouTube looking at the comments and looking at the feedback. And that's always pretty exciting. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of people that are, are big, big StatQuest fans, and it's always exciting because they're usually the first people to comment. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of fun to see the kind of the usuals show up and say, hey, I just watched your new video. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always very exciting to see. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and when we try teaching someone about something, subconsciously we create a pattern or a unique approach of communicating intuitively to others, right? Uh-huh. So what is your approach making the subject so vivid and clear to others. Uh, I I like I like hearing about what people's backgrounds are. Um, I like asking people to tell me what they do or what their interests are. Uh, I like doing that because um, it can change the way I do the presentation. If I if I'm in a room full of people and they're all um, advertisement people, well then I might try to explain the concepts in terms of advertising. Hmm. Um, or if I'm in a room full of people and they're all, uh, uh, they're all mechanical engineers, I might use a different example. Yeah. Um, just like, just like before, when I started out, I was in a room full of people that did mouse genetics. And so all my examples are in mouse genetics terms. Um, so, so the very first thing I do when I teach and I do, I do teach in person from time to time. The very first thing I do is try to get to know the people that I'm teaching because uh, I want to be able to teach in a way that that they'll understand and use examples that they can relate to. So do you, do you sing a similar song kind of a way that you usually start your video intro? Yeah, I, sometimes I do. Sometimes <laughs> I do a silly song. Yeah. It depends on, uh, depends on the audience. Uh, hmm. if it's a, if it's a, looks like there'll be a fun audience, then I'll, uh, do a silly song. I, I've taught, uh, I've taught federal judges. I, I don't do a federal, I don't do a silly song for the federal judges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just talk to them. Um, but yeah, it just depends on the, the audience. Sometimes I'll do a silly song. It's, it's fun. It's always fun to do something silly. <laughs> and also I still remember the math class in my eighth grade where I usually couldn't understand the things for the very first time. And the blackboard and the hand gesture explanation in the air wouldn't used to be making much intuition for me and I used to get a lot of beatings (laughs) okay so if there is a student just like me 
who couldn't grasp the things in the very first time, second term and the third term and much more. <laughs> How do you deal with the student? Like what approach you make to make the student understand? Do you hit him for a couple of times? <laughs> no, I don't hit him. Uh, I used to work, I, one of my coworkers uh, I used to work with was uh, a, a, a good friend of mine, but he rarely understood what I was talking to. And and I I saw him not as, I saw him kind of like a chal- as a challenge for me, as a way to force me to do a better job doing what I'm doing. If if he didn't understand what I was talking about, it meant I wasn't doing a good enough job mm. breaking it into small pieces that are easily understood. Um, so if I if I mean that's the way I see it is is when people are confused, that's that's their way of telling me I didn't do a great job explaining something. If something yeah. and. Uh, and so I use that as information to 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 make to try to improve myself and my own explanation skills. So just like that, like what was the best advice that you ever received? I think the best advice is the advice my boss gave me is um, there's a million ways to spend your time. You could you could do whatever you wanted uh, within reason. However, there's probably one thing that is the most important thing you could be doing with your time. And, hmm. and if you can figure out what that most important thing is, it's not always obvious. Uh, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I, I worked for, for a long time. I worked for 13 years before I started doing YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't obvious that this is what I should be doing from the get go. I'm not saying that, but, but I'm think, saying you should always be, asking yourself and trying to figure out what that most important thing is. Mm. And over time, uh, over time, you'll, you hopefully you'll figure that out. And once you figure it out, obviously focus your time on it. But, but in the meantime, when you make decisions, uh, you know, and you're trying to figure out what, what, what job to do or what's what thing to study, I would, I would try to make those decisions based on whether or not those decisions will open doors or close doors. And if they're going to open doors for me, then I would, even if I don't know what's the most important thing for me to do, I would maybe consider something that I think is going to open more options and more doors to me than something that might close doors and narrow things down. Cool. Um, and hopefully, uh, given those two things, all, over time, you can figure out what what you do best and what's the best thing you can be doing with your time. Cool. And when you're going through this process of creating any of the videos with your passion, obviously it's a quite a long process for making any one of your videos because they are very clear, structured and written with beautiful pictures and intuitive examples. Uh, I think which is so dense that you could probably spend hard time on it, right? Yeah. So what is the part that makes you a little hard and you feel a little afraid of? I mean, there's a scary part. And the scary part is the blank page when I don't have a picture. Uh, because it's un... I mean, I just don't know. I have a lot of self-doubt. I don't know if I'm going to be able to come up with a, a way to draw a picture of some concept that explains it clearly. I uh, I never know. And uh, it's it's always kind of scary. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm a... I'm, I've been doing it for years, and so I'm be more and more confident that I can succeed. Hmm. But it's still kind of scary when when someone gives me some big complicated thing and they say, "Can you explain this?" And I sit down. And I go, "I don't know. Let's just see what happens. I'm going to work on it." Um, um, but it, it's uh, it's you know starting from that blank page is is a pretty scary thing. I don't know. It's also hard for the creators on YouTube in this pandemic, right? So did this time on YouTube affected you in any ways? Yeah, well, I'll be honest. When I left my job, I, I thought 
uh, I mean, I'd done some projections, you know, revenue from YouTube had been going up in the, in the past six months. And I thought, you know, if it keeps going up for the next year, um, then I, then I'll be self-sustainable and I'll be able to live off the revenue I get from YouTube. But with COVID, um, there's been no growth in revenue. I mean, there's growth in terms of viewerships. Every 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 month, more people watch my video, and every month, more people subscribe, and every month, more people give it likes and comments and all those things. But revenue itself has not moved one bit since um, since February. Hmm. Uh, and so, uh, I uh, my projection uh, to that revenue was going to grow on YouTube was a was a very bad. Uh, Guess I mean I, I couldn't have known what was going to happen, but presumably it's due to COVID and advertising budgets uh, sort of plummeting. Uh, but uh, but you know what can I do? So that's why I started diversifying and I started making the study guides and the webinars. Yeah, and I think that should work because when we try learning statistics, we also look for the study guides, we look for the mentoring, we look for the webinars, so all of that. And I think StatsQuest is doing a lot about it. And also I found personally while I'm going through your video playlist and also all of the uh, specific set of lectures, I found a few things are missing. There are a few gaps in the lectures, right? So... Do you have any plan of making a masterclass of statistics or something like that? Yeah. So on my website, statquest.org, I have a video index where I've organized all of my videos in a somewhat linear way. I've got a, a section on statistics and I've got a section on machine learning and a, and a section on sort of random stuff. And each section is organized from basic, simple fundamentals to more complicated topics later on. And I also have some playlists that I try to, uh, to keep in that order, but the videos themselves just sort of come out somewhat randomly. And, and that's, that's partly because StatQuest originally was, again, me just explaining stuff to my coworkers. And the focus there wasn't necessarily to make a course, yeah, but to explain stuff that they needed to be explained. And so I always just focused on those topics. And so it was always kind of like, somewhat random and uh, uh, as to what people needed to learn about at any given time. And, and that's that kind of a randomness is carried over um, um, into modern day. And I, I, I still just sort of do whatever I think I need to do next rather than focus on a, developing a specific curriculum. So if you wanted to say something to the beginners getting into statistics and data science and want to learn something from StatQuest, uh, what steps do you recommend them to follow up? Uh, I mean, obviously you can follow the videos in the order that they're laid out in. Um, but I, I definitely recommend playing around with the concepts yourself. I, I do have a, on my website, I do have a few things called stat tests. Uh, where you can, uh, where, you know, you watch the video and then you can take a test to see if you understand it. And actually a fair number of people actually do those tests. It's, it always interests me because, because this is something you would be doing for fun. This is something you'd be doing. You know, I, I don't give anyone a grade and I don't, I don't give them a, <laughs> I don't give them a chocolate or a treat. They just do this test because they want to do a test. Uh, I think that's a good idea. Another thing is, is, is da- make sure you download R or Python or some programming language and, and start playing around with the stuff on your own. I've got a lot of videos that show 
how to do uh, analysis in R. And I'm working on creating videos for showing how to do analyses in Python. And mm. I think I think one of the best way to learn is to is to actually do it in practice and get the code and play with it and and make sure you understand what it's doing. Super. Uh, what are those topics and concepts that actually blew your mind in statistics? Oh, all the time. <laughs> I all my constantly having my mind blown, and it's and it's interesting. It's never. It's you know, sometimes it's the fancy, complicated stuff. But but I just had a video come out on the null hypothesis and the alternative hypothesis, which is one of the most basic. It's one of the most basic statistical concepts out there. It's the thing you learned the very first week you were in statistics classes and just putting those videos together. I had one of these moments of like, Oh, Oh, that's really cool. (laughs) That's really awesome. Yeah. And what it was is how hypothesis testing, you know, is, is a way that we can use. uh, So in machine learning, there's a concept of overfitting your data. There's a work. Yes. When you train your model on data, uh, there's a there's a problem where the model kind of learns the data so well mm. and it fits it so good that if you give it something slightly different, the model doesn't know what to do with it and performs very poorly. Yes. Um, while I was making my video on the alternative hypothesis, I suddenly realized that hypothesis testing is a lot like dis- determining whether or not your model is overfit. If your model is overfit, then you will... Uh, um, then you will fail to reject the null. Yeah. Um, and just coming up with that realization where I suddenly saw how these two fundamental concepts were related. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I was jumping up and down and running around the house. It was, it was very exciting. Yeah. And it's something that in theory I'm supposed to be a master of, but I still get new insights on these basic concepts. Yeah, yeah. And the moment I realize about the things in a similar way, I start calling my stat friends and sharing the things that I was so excited about. <laughs> and surprisingly, they would recommend me to watch your videos to get even more surprised there. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I feel that's a huge bam for you in real time, helping a lot of people out there who are actually struggling with the intuition behind stats and data and machine learning, all of that. <laughs> yeah. Double bam. That's a triple bam. That's really exciting. Well, that's very flattering. I'm, I'm glad to know that, uh, <laughs> that the video is already having an impact. Absolutely. They are creating a huge impact in the whole demand of data. And what do you think that one thing you feel glad to have that superpower? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I mean, I didn't always have the superpower of being able to explain things clearly, but I, I think at this point in my life, I do. I mean, that's that's something I do incredibly well. That's my superpower. Well, that's amazing. And we are on the edge of the show. And Josh, if you want to share something to the listeners, please do that. My only advice is my boss's advice. Find the most important thing you could be doing with your time and do that. And it's hard to do. It's hard to find it. But once you find it, you should do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Josh. I'll add all the resources in the description about StatQuest. And if you are into stats and machine learning, you should definitely check out the content at StatQuest. And thank you so much for joining us, Josh. I really, really mean it. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm I'm glad this worked out. And um, I really appreciate uh, you hosting me on your podcast.